When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. As Joe comes, we invite the children to make their way to their time of worship. Let's bow together to pray. On this Reformation Sunday, O God, may your church all around the world be awakened to the power of love over hate, of light over darkness, of hope over despair. May we, as Highland Baptist Church, as a community gathered in this place, filled with love. May we find our own particular ways in this time to embody your love and be your presence in this world. Teach us, Lord, this day through all things that are offered to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I saw that this week's scripture reading for the series of sermons I've been giving called Exodus from no way to God's way, actually had the passage of their leader, Moses, announcing to the people that he was not going to be able to go with them to the promised land, that in fact he was going to die, I thought, that's not the best passage for this uh, day, since today is the first Sunday since announcing that I wouldn't be entering the promised land with you. But just to be clear, I am not Moses, and I'm not dying. Okay. But I will discontinue that series to pick up what I suppose will be uh, the last weeks of summarizing the central themes and truths that we've discovered together as pastor and people over these 20 plus years. And I say together because it has been together. It's not been Joe in an ivy tower or Joe and the staff off doing and presenting. It's been us together always. Uh, I intentionally titled my pastor's column for our church weekly newsletter, Thinking Together. It's about togetherness. When we baptize someone at Highland, we baptize together, not just the clergy, but all of us say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's about community. It's about oneness. So what have we discovered in our years together? And I'm not sure I know the answer to all of that. I'm going to offer one word today, but I invite you to join me in trying to compile a list of things we've learned together over these decades. It turns out that my announcement of my retirement coincides with the symbolic Rosa Park moment in church history known as the Protestant Reformation. Specifically, 500 years ago this Halloween, October 31st, 1517, A priest, a German priest by the name of Martin Luther, nailed some 
protests, some concerns, some grave concerns he had about the church. He nailed them on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. Now, if he'd have done that at Highland with our brand new doors that we spent this much money on, we would have had to whip out, open a can of righteous indignation on him. But that was actually how you uh, expressed yourself in those days. As I said, it was more of a symbolic moment. It wasn't the defining moment. There were many things happening at that particular time. But it did become part of what we know as a protest to reform the church, the Protestant protest reforming of the church. On this 500th anniversary, I wonder about reforming. To reform, to reform, does that not imply a return to the original form, to reform, to form again? Presumes that there's some kind of true form that's a model and a goal. And I want to suggest today that one of the things that we've learned in this church is that love is our essential form. Love is our essential form. We talk about the work of love. That's what we do here. We were made by love. That is by God. Last week I quoted 1 John 4, 8. God is love. We were created by love, with love, for love. We're created by love, with love, for love. Love is our form. But as the old hymn says, Lord, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Something takes us away from our truest form in God. And so in Matthew chapter 22, it's the religious leaders. Think about this. The religious leaders, the people who have the credentials and the bona fides and the titles who for some reason are threatened by Jesus of Nazareth, who, have come, who has come to preach good news to the poor, sight to the blind, to release the captives and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek and the merciful and the peacemakers, and they can't stand him. Something about his message invokes fear and insecurity and some kind of group think that causes them to veer away from their original form of love and to attack and test and discredit this one who came in love. And so they, they, they do one of their typical tricks among rabbis, asking each other, which is the greatest commandment? It's a trick question. Which one would you pick? I'm thinking if I was Jesus at about this time, this is Matthew 22, just a few chapters before they arrest him and kill him, I'd be saying to him, I'm really fond of commandment number six, thou shalt not kill. And let's talk about this, guys. Let's talk about the importance of not killing. But instead, Jesus says, none of the Ten Commandments. But from Deuteronomy chapter 5, he quotes the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. All of your soul, all of your mind. But before the Pharisees can jump up and claim, we do that, man. We're, we're really loving God with our rituals and our rules and all of our regulations. Jesus very quickly 
qualifies and elaborates on what it means to love the Lord your God. How do you love God? You think about it. The things that have caused most of the conflict in the world is arguments over how do you love the Lord your God? Jesus says to them, in response to their question, which is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one's just like it. Same, same. Other side of this very same coin, the message says it stands alongside it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. To love God is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, Jesus didn't intend this as one of those drop the mic kind of moments where he says, I guess I showed you all. Sort of like I showed the Sadducees just a few verses earlier. He's not trying to beat them. That's not the nature of God. He's trying to invite them to be formed again in that which makes them true and right and in concert with God. To be formed, to be reformed in love. Let me say specifically what I mean by this. Someone said to me yesterday, you know, I love so much about Highland, but we don't have a really basic understanding of what it means to even be a Christian. I said, yes, we do. We just don't have it in a little booklet like everyone else does, but we do have it. It it sounds something like this. You come to the realization, however it happens to you, that you are in relationship with something bigger than yourself. And this something is for you, on your side, loves you, wants the best for you. And in that you feel a wholeness and a forgiveness. In Jesus, he comes and says, this is the depth and breadth of my love. This is how to love me back. And so we take that love in and we're we're, we're marinated in it and we're changed by it. And then we become agents of change. You're called to join in the work of love. And so we do it here at Highland. We symbolize it with baptism and, and the table and the singing and the scriptures. We join in the work of love and then we walk out of here. We take that love into our own world, in our own way, in the worship that is your own very life because because we believe this is the hope of the world. Our marquee today says, love alone cures violence. Love alone cures violence. That's not to say there aren't other things we have to do in response to violence. We have to have police. We have to have locks. We have, we have to do certain things. But think about it. In Murfreesboro, Tennessee yesterday, In Shelbyville, Tennessee, we can shout down the haters, but only love can reform haters into lovers. It's the work of God. Prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. 1,500 years later, a German priest named Martin Luther nails his complaints against the church on the door at Wittenberg. At the core of this message was, let's reform the church back into its essential form of love. 
You see, the 16th century church was, was all organized to the hilt. They had their bishops and their cardinals and their big buildings and their Vatican, and they were into control. And the message was essentially one of fear. If you think of Michelangelo's Last Judgment, that's a good depiction of 16th century church, making people afraid of God, afraid of God. Well, the Pope in the 16th century, I think it was Urban, uh, decided to build a new, uh, a new church in the Vatican in Rome. But rather than do the traditional fundraising, he decided, in the words of Walter Brueggemann, to monetize the grace of God. To monetize the grace of God. To say to people, if you want your son or daughter, your sister or brother, your mother or father, to get out of hell where everyone went, you have to give money. They called them indulgences. And I remember very little from uh, church history, but I remember Glenn Henson doing this little jingle by one of the main salesmen of these indulgences around the country, a man named Tedsel, who said, supposedly, Every time a coin in the coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs. Isn't that cute? Every time a coin in the coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs. I wanted to ask Dr. Henson if it also rhymed in German, but Jim Shelton tells me it does. Is that right, Steve? I assume it does. Luther invited the church to consider Something he'd read in this thing that he'd recovered, a Bible, a Bible. He read it in German. He read from Paul's letter to the Romans, the just shall live by faith, and the light bulb came on. The just, the people of God, we live by faith. That is, in a loving God who we believe is for us and with us. Luther invited the church into this new way to be formed and reformed again in the primal love of God. Ah, but we're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Someone said the Protestants got the Bible in the Protestant Reformation, but not much to go with it. In other words, we didn't really know how to use the Bible. Several hundred years later, Several hundred years ago, when I was a seminary student, the conflict over the Bible erupted in our Baptist world. And some of you who have gray hair like me will remember those 1970s when we were all into conflict and distraction over the Bible. Who loved the Bible? Who loved God? Who was faithful? Who was not? These tremors of the Baptist earthquake were just percolating when I'm a seminary student preparing to go into the ministry of the church. And I was utterly confused and demoralized. And I've told the story before about riding in a car with my father who'd come from Ohio down to visit. We were driving along in the car one day and I was trying to explain to my dad, who was a deacon and a Sunday school church teacher in his Baptist church in Ohio, what was going on in the seminaries and what was going on underground in the Baptist world. And he'd never heard of this. He, he, he didn't get it. He, he tried to listen very carefully, but finally, after a while, he said, son, I didn't go to seminary, and I don't understand all that. But to me, it all comes down to this. Love God with all of your heart, 
all of your soul and all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It was like Paul on the road to Damascus. I was blinded by that realization, the truthfulness of that statement. It wasn't until the next day when I was telling it to a friend that the friend said to me, oh, you know, by the way, he's quoting Jesus. I'm like, oh, yeah, that Jesus did say that, didn't he? We're so prone to wander, to move off of the form of love. Love is our form. And reformation is about coming back to that sacred form of love. That's what you're doing, Highland. That's what Vision 2020 says. That's what our Bible stories say. That's what the preaching of the word from this pulpit says. That's what we see in your Bible study classes where lives are transformed and minds are changed and relationships are restored and sin-sick souls are healed and fearful and broken and anxious and hurting people come and they're born again. And you're them. Love has moved Highland. Love moved Highland on the LGBT questions. It was no sermon I preached. It was no magic passage of scripture that I found in the Bible and brought to you and said, here, here, this is the answer. It wasn't the leadership of this church. It was love. Love between people that got us from point A to point B to point C. It's love that's moving us on race and immigration, on caring for refugees in Morocco because we're awakening to our privilege. And we're realizing that love calls on us. It's love that gives us passion for addicts and for people who screw up and for prisoners and for people who don't fit. We say, come on, they all fit in the family of God. For love is our form. One of the things you're going to have to get used to in these next weeks is I'm going to tell some of my favorite stories again. This is one that utterly changed my life. It happened about 10 years ago on the eve of my daughter's birthday. Three months earlier, our son Bobby had died in an apartment fire. and We were missing him terribly on that night of the wedding rehearsal. And I said to my daughter, maybe one of us will dream about Bobby tonight. And I was the one who got the dream. In the dream, I was in the church office here at Highland. And I was walking out of my office door, and I had a large stack of Bibles and hymnals and commentaries and lots of papers, uh, um, finance reports and uh, uh, staff evaluations and visitor lists and, and things I needed to do and sermon notes, and they're all there together. And as I walk out of the door... I stumble, and the papers and the books go everywhere. And actually, in the story, Phil Collier is there, and he helps me pick up the papers, and I look up, and there in the office is a sliding glass door, which is not there, but in the dream it was there. And on the other side of the sliding glass door was my son Bobby, standing there, smiling at me. I jump up, Bobby, what? What are you doing here? I grab him by the shoulders. I say, 
Son, you look good. He said, Dad, I am. I'm really, really good. The scene shifts as they do in, in, in dreams. And we're sitting at like a little card table, just a little square table. He's to my left. And that stack of papers is sitting on the table to my right. And Bobby points at them and says, Dad, you know, that stuff's all important. But that's not the most important. This thing here, you and me, that's the most important. Love is our form. It's who we are. It's how we were made. It's what drives us. It brings us home. So we love God. We love neighbor. We love ourselves. And as we do, the distance between God and neighbor and self all become incredibly close. In fact, it becomes one love. Love is our form. Let's pray together. You who are love, you who made us in your image, reform your church that we may be faithful and true and that your kingdom may come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. To your glory now and always. In the name of Jesus our Christ we pray, amen.